thank you to Kenneth Copeland Ministries for sowing the airtime for this broadcast. There's enough power in every sick room and in every hospital room to raise up that sick one that may be describing you. Yes, you yes. may be in a sick room. Yeah. You may be in a hospital room. And I want to remind you, power is present. That power is there to do a work. Believe in what's present, not try to get something, but notice that he's already made it yours. It's present right where you're at. Say, I receive that power. I receive that power. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. From the top of my head. The top of my head. the soles of my feet. The soles of my feet. We are so glad to have you with us today for Jesus the Healer. Thank you for joining us. And we invite you, be expecting something. Amen. You know, um, we get what we expect. And so when you watch and you hear the word taught today, attach your faith to it. What are you believing God for? Amen. And uh, we also encourage you to get your Bible and get something that you can take notes on because we're expecting God to say things to you. And you know, when we hear God speak to us, we go, oh, I won't forget that because it becomes so alive to us. And then by next week, we're going, uh, I know something stood out to me. I'm trying to remember what it is. So we want you to write it down. Don't lose anything God would say to you. Amen. Um, we've been using a couple of things as our jumping off point. The first thing is something that Brother Copeland often makes this statement, and it's so loaded, it's so rich with what he says. He says, the will of God is your wealthy place, Amen. meaning we can struggle and struggle and struggle to have every arena of our life enriched, but unless we're in the will of God, we're going to just face struggles. And uh, when we just make sure that we're living accurately and in line with the will of God, it takes all the struggle out of the enrichment that belongs yes. to us. Yes. Amen. Yes. Um, health abounds when we're in the will of God. Amen. Prosperity abounds. Yes. Peace abounds. The home is abounding when we're living our lives in line with the will of God and the plan of God for our lives. So you say, what's this got to do with Jesus the healer when you say the will of God is your wealthy place? Uh, we've got to make sure we're living accurately and following the spirit of God because that's where everything of our health will flourish when we're, when we're living out his plan. So um, we always say this in agreement with what Brother Copeland states, the will of God is my wealthy place. That being the case, don't you know that the enemy would love to entice you out of the will of God? Yeah. Offer you options to help you out of the will of God. Uh, because he knows that when we're living in line with God's will and God's plan for our life, living in line with his word, but also living in line with what he has said to us by his spirit about the directions we're to take, um, it makes us, if I could say this, untouchable by the devil. And the devil wants to be all touching in your life. <laughs> and so he does all kinds of different things to, to distract. He launches all kinds of devices. And so uh, when we're believing God for our health, we want to make sure, wait a minute, am I staying in line with the will of God for my life? Am I living out his plan? Because my, my health abounding is connected to me being obedient 
to the will of God for my life. Amen. And so it's so important we understand that. The next thing that we're, we've been teaching on, and I think we've been teaching about five previous episodes on this. Uh, we want you to go back and watch them because we have so much to say and we don't want you to not know what has already been said. But we've been looking at Acts chapter 20 and verse 22. So let's start there today. Acts chapter 20, verse 22, it reads, and now this is Paul talking and he's telling us how basically he, uh, he, was, he succeeded in fulfilling the plan of God for his life. He says this in verse 22, and now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem. Now, we made this statement in previous episodes. What is Jerusalem? It's wherever God told you to be. Where did God tell you to go? What did, where did God tell you to be with your life? That's your Jerusalem, so to speak, in this passage. He says, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now we've spent, I believe it was five episodes on this first phrase, I go bound in the spirit under Jerusalem. <laughs> I would love to restate it all again, but for time's sake, we got to move it along. And so we ask you, go back and watch it. But just in a nutshell, Paul was saying this, what, it, what God has told me to do, where God has told me to be, I bound myself to that. This is not a bondage. It is me committing myself, that I am inwardly agreeing with what God told me to do, where he told me to be, and that binds me to his will. I go bound. Now notice these three words, I go bound. We're really not safe to go forward until we're bound to what God has said. Many people go and they're, they lack clarity. Many people go and they're not, they're not, they don't, if I could say this, have the witness of the spirit. We won't know every step and everything we're going to face as we move forward, but we should have the witness of the spirit. So many people are going without the witness of the spirit. Sometimes people go and they're, if I could say this, not wholehearted, they're, they're half-hearted. They're not fully committed, you know, but to succeed, you have to be wholehearted in the right direction. So Paul says, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem. I'm going further into what God has told me to do where he's told me to be. And I'll only arrive there without getting pulled off course. If I'm bound to it, if I'm committed to it, if I'm consecrated to where he's told me to be. So as I said, we took five episodes to just talk about that phrase. So go back and watch it. Um, We touched on the second thing because he gives us, Paul states five things he did so that he could finish his course. Look at this, with joy. It's not just about finishing, but how we finish. We can't finish with joy if we don't run with joy. Amen. So we see this, this really divine checklist that Paul gave us of how to finish what we're born for the right way, 
the joyful way. So as, as we said, the first thing is he said, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem. The second thing is this delightful phrase. He said, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing. If we're not willing to move into the unknown, we'll not move with God as we ought. We have to be willing to move into the unknown and we're okay with that. You want to know why? Because that's what faith deals with. It deals with the unknown. It deals with the unseen. And that's why faith is called for. Because it's unknown to us, but not unknown to God. Therefore, there's no risk when we follow where he's told us to be doing what he told us to do. There's no risk because he knows where that's going to arrive us. Amen. So to move with God, we have to be willing to move into the unknown. That's the life of faith. That's the flow of faith. That's not moving in ignorance. We're not ignorant. We know who we're following. We know the word we're following. We know this is God's plan and that's all we need to know. And as I said previously, you know, the flesh and the mind would love to know the next 20 steps. We would like that really naturally, right? The natural side. And, um, but that wouldn't call for faith, would it? If we knew everything ahead of time of how it was going to play out, every step that's involved. We do know this. If we'll follow the plan of God, we'll always arrive at victory. Now that's the end result. We'll always arrive at victory. We don't always know steps A, B, C, D, E, F, and then onward. And, and many times people say, why doesn't God show me more? I would dare to say, that if God showed us the next 20 steps, you know what we would do as humans? We would insert our opinion. We would insert our counsel. We would insert our own, uh, you know, reasonings. And we would muddy everything. So he tricks us into being effective by not giving us a whole smorgasbord of steps that are to be taken, but just give you one thing at a time. Why? Because if you try to hand a child five things to carry, they're probably going to drop right. one or more. Yeah. But you give them one thing to carry, there's going to be a higher rate of success. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So God many times just gives us the next step. Yes. Why? Because he's helping us succeed. Yes. Amen. 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 Well, praise the Lord. Praise so we have to be willing to go not knowing. Now turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8. This is the Amplified Classic translation I'm going to read. We've read this pre previously, but I want us to revisit it because it is so, so good. Hebrews 11, verse 8, the Amplified Classic, it reads, Urged on by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed. Notice, just being called is not enough. We have to add obedience to what we're called to. The call will not ensure our success. The call is just directing us in what we're to obey in. People will say, well, I'm called to do this and I'm called to do that. Then you have to have your obedience to that because just being called is not the success of it. It's the direction that God gives. And so we obey the direction of that call. So it says, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed. And he went forth. This means he made movement. Now you'll remember that Abraham lived with his family in a, in a, a highly developed city. 
It wasn't uh, some remote area. It was uh, a highly developed city. And God said, I want you to move to go to another place. I'm going to lead you to a land that I'm going to give to you and your, and, uh, your ancestors after you, right? Your, your future generations. God didn't give them a map. He just would get up every day and follow God into the unknown. And that is the best life. Amen. Uh, Why? Because we know who we're following. We know who we're following. And so uh, Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed. He got up and he left his family. He went where God told him to be. He headed out. And it says he went forth to a place where he was destined to receive. People say, why am I not receiving things? Well, you have to move toward them. You have to move toward them. You can't just sit stationary and think that things are going to be dumped on us. We have to move toward what he told us to move toward. Has he told you to start a business? Has he told you that he has another home for you or something to do? Move toward it. Move toward it. You can't, we can't just sit at home and wait for it to magically appear. My husband used to say this, all the time, he said, faith will do whatever it takes. Yes. What is it? What is one thing that faith does? It makes movement. Yes. When it knows and has peace about a certain direction, it might not know everything about that direction, yes. but it takes uh, the next yes. step. Yes. So it says that that's what Abraham did. He was called, mm-hmm. he obeyed, mm-hmm. and he went forth to a place which he was destined to receive. See, he could be destined to receive, but if he didn't obey, he still wouldn't receive what he was destined for. What God calls us to has to have our obedience so that we can arrive at the destiny he planned for us. So he went forth to a place which he was destined to receive as an inheritance. And he went, look at this next phrase, although he did not know or trouble his mind about where he was to go. What do we know then? Abraham moved not knowing. Paul said, I go to Jerusalem not knowing. If you won't move until you know, you'll probably not ever get where God planned for you to be. We have to be willing to go not knowing. Why? That's not being gullible. That's not being unprepared. That's being confident in the one we're following. I am so confident in him that he doesn't have to tell me the next 10 steps. He doesn't have to tell me. I know I'll arrive at the right place as long as I follow him. I trust him. You trust him. Amen. So every day Abraham moved with God without a map into the unknown. He would get up this morning, particular morning and say, do I move today? Pack up the tents. You're going. Other days he'd wake up, stay right here for a while. He just moved into the unknown. Led day by day. Aren't you glad that God gives us the best life? Every day is an adventure with God. Amen. Notice it didn't say, it said Abraham did not trouble his mind. If you're going to try to mentally process everything, then you're, you're going, you're going to trouble your own mind. Uh, But it's not our job to figure it out. It's our job to walk it out. Not our job to figure it out. Just go with the next step. Many people want everything to unfold before they'll move ahead. All you have to do is know the next thing. And as you do it, it will begin to unfold as you arrive. You notice this about the Hebrews that God delivered out of Egypt. Remember, they were in slavery for so many generations. And um, God told him he had a land for him and he delivered them out of Egypt. 
When they got to the Red Sea, they needed to cross it. Notice the Red Sea didn't part for them while they were back in Egypt. The Red Sea parted when their toes arrived. What did he do? The very next step. God didn't open the sea until their steps were ready to arrive at the river, at the, at the bottom of that sea. He parted it and then they walked across dry land. He didn't part it for them while they were back in Egypt. He moved on them. He moved for them when they arrived at where they were supposed to be. Many people want things to start arriving before they have arrived. Well, praise the Lord. We see this about Abraham. We see this about faith. He wasn't dominated by his mind. He wasn't following mental reasonings and mental calculations. He was following what God had dealt with him about in his heart, and he was willing to do it every day, moving with God into the unknown. That's the best life. Amen. And uh, so we, we have to be people who are willing to move into the unknown with God. Amen. Amen. There was uh, Dr. Lester Sumrall was called, he was uh, a a wonderful apostle of God. And uh, Dad Hagen was our spiritual father, but Dr. Lester Sumrall was a pastor to to my husband and I for so many years. And um, here his ministry was established in the United States. And one day God spoke to him and said, I want you to go to the Philippines to Manila, Philippines. He said, I'm going to do more for you there than I've ever done for you anywhere. So he went there. And uh, the day God said that to him, he walked downstairs. His wife was in the kitchen preparing lunch. It was a Sunday after church. And um, he told his wife, God said, I want you to go to to Manila, Philippines. And she said, well, when are we going? He said, tomorrow. And they went that night and he put leadership in place to take over the church that he was currently pastoring here in the United States. And he packed up and they left the next day, ready to move into the unknown. You know, there were so many unknowns to him, but he was ready to move with the unknown. That's pleasing to God. So he went there and the first five to six months he would do witnessing, ministering to people. Um, they would give him addresses of people that he got supposedly born again that received Jesus and he would ask them for their address so that he could visit them in their home and follow up on them. And every address he received was a false address. So he would go there and there was no such address or that person wasn't there. And so after six months of nothing, no converts, every Sunday morning and every service time, it was Dr. Summerall and his wife and his children. They were the only attendees of the church. And yet God said, I'm going to do more for you there than I've ever done for you anywhere. But it didn't look like it. It looked unknown. How is God going to do this? But he kept with the unknown. He stayed with the unknown. After about six months of being there, not one convert, not one additional congregation member other than his own family. And God spoke to him and said, I want you to build an auditorium that seats 10,000 people. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's a good time, right? Can you imagine what the reasonings could be? What the mental calculations, I've been here six months and not one convert. What makes me think I'm going to have 10,000 converts anytime soon? And you build a 10,000 seat building with no congregation to help fund it. 
He bought an old World War II hangar and built it out and uh, built it out for 10,000 people. He got it done. And one day he had the radio on and there came a call across the radio and said, if anyone can help us, please help us. And they were giving a call from the prison there that there was some girl that was needed to be delivered from the power of the devil. And God said, go set her free. Make a long story short, he went and set her free and it turned into a nationwide revival. And in three weeks time, he had a hundred thousand converts. But notice if he hadn't obeyed God and built a, built an auditorium that seated 10,000 people, he would have lost the harvest of that revival. He moved with God into the unknown when it did not make any sense to the natural man, but it made sense to the spirit man. If you're going to walk by human reasoning, you'll cheat yourself out of the supernatural but he had a supernatural harvest. He did not know. God did not say to him, build a 10,000 seat auditorium because there's going to be a girl that's going to set free that's going to uh, be the spark of a nationwide revival. God didn't tell him any of that. All that was unknown to him. And God just told him the next step, build a 10,000 seat auditorium. That's all he told him. Uh, Faith just moves because God said to without explanation. Without God explaining himself. Amen. Amen. That takes faith. Amen. Um, Before this girl in that prison was set free from the power of the devil, Dr. Summerall had had some kind of communication with a man there in Manila. And Dr. Summerall asked the man, how many Bibles do you have on this island? He said, I've got hundreds of thousands. And he said, you're going to run out of Bibles. And he goes, he started laughing right in his face. And he says, I've had these Bibles in storage for decades and I can't, I can't get rid of them. And he said, you're fixing to run out. Why? He had a witness of the spirit that something was going to happen. How did he know that? Well, when God says build a 10,000 seat auditorium, that's a clue. Something's fixing to happen. Amen. And so uh, during that three week revival, uh, Dr. Summerall went back to that man and said, how many Bibles you got left? He says, I cannot even get any Bibles here quick enough. We have run out and I'm trying to get more and can't get them here quick enough. On the whole island, there was not left a Bible to buy because uh, one man moved into the unknown with God. It only took one man to move into the unknown with God. And And it changed a nation and it's still affecting a nation. That church is still intact today. And, and not only that, some of our staff members got born again in that church in the Manila Philippines. Still producing fruit. Amen. Hallelujah. So things don't always make sense, but if God says do it, move with him into the unknown because your best life is there. What if Noah wouldn't have moved when God said, God said, build a boat. Ever seen a boat? Nope. Never seen a boat. (laughs) That's why God had to be very specific in giving him the dimensions. Never seen a boat. Amen. He had never seen a flood. But God said it's coming. So uh, Noah changed professions that day and became a ship builder. 
And he couldn't go down to the local hardware store. He had to, he had to cut down his own trees, shape them, make his own nails, whatever, however he had to do it from scratch. He went into the labor of moving into the unknown. There is a labor to moving into the unknown. If he would have just sat back and waited for God to send him a boat, him and the whole family would have drowned with the rest of the world. But he didn't wait for God to send what his labor was to fulfill. And he moved. He was willing to work with God to save his own family and save the line of humanity on the earth. One man rescued humanity because he was willing to build the unknown, to move into the unknown. And then not only that, after he built it, brother, build it good, you got to ride it. <laughs> You're the one inside. Make sure there's no leaks, right? You don't want to, you don't want to do a halfway job on what God told you to do because that which he tells you to build is the rescue for you and your family. That where he tells you to go, that's the place where your family's going to have his best. So do it right. Do it wholehearted because your life is going to live in it. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, but what if he would have said, I'm not going to do it. I don't, I've never seen a flood. I don't know what a flood looks like. I can't imagine what it's going to do to this earth. And uh, you know, once uh, I'll see, it took him a hundred years to do the labor of obeying. Well, some people, you know, if it doesn't happen quick, they're, they're ready to move on to the next thing. But if God says, do it, move into the labor of the unknown and move with God into the supernatural. Because he obeyed God, not only was he rescued, but his family's rescued. Listen, if we decide that the will of God is disposable in our life, it's going to affect more than us. It's going to affect families. It's going to affect generations. The will of God is not disposable. It is the best flow and the highest flow for our life. Amen. Whatever he says, I'm all in. All in. He doesn't have to even fully explain it to me. Just say, do it. And we're all in. And we're learning that that gives us the best life. Faith in God is experience. It's experience with God that we know that he's truthful. He's faithful. And uh, he will fulfill everything he tells us to do as long as he can get our cooperation and be, as Paul said, I go bound in the spirit into where God told me to be doing what God told me to do. That's the best life. Amen. Well, you don't want to miss next time. We're not done. Remember I said there's five things. We're only on number two. So you don't want to miss it next time, but we're so glad you joined us today. And until we see you next time, remember Jesus is the healer. God bless you. To watch or listen to today's message and other messages by Nancy Dufresne, visit DufresneMinistries.org. God has provided a way for His children to have ongoing visitations from Him. But many Christians don't recognize these visitations. Your life will be changed as you meditate on the revelations in this book, Visitations from God by Nancy Dufresne. Order your copy now at DufresneMinistries.org. God offers you His thoughts. Take them. This life-changing book by Nancy Dufresne, A Sound, Disciplined Mind, will instruct you on how to do that. God's words will reach into your everyday life 
transforming it. It will lift you from a commonplace into the supernatural. Order this book now at DufresneMinistries.org. If you need prayer, please call our prayer line. We have trained ministers on staff who are ready to agree with you for your miracle. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, submit a prayer request, or visit our online store. Thank you to the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries for making this production possible.